We've covered the upcoming uh, next generation PlayStation a number of times here on the show. It seems people are interested. It seems people might even be hype. You might even be able to say that word. Uh, that said, up until now, we haven't really talked very much about the next generation Microsoft console, the next generation Xbox. That one has been a little bit more quiet. Well, part of that is because of that PlayStation event that took place and they gave us all these details and we're kind of waiting a little bit to see how Microsoft is going to play it. That said, I see this article today on The Verge, courtesy of Tom Warren, Leaked Microsoft document hints at second next-gen Xbox. And that caught my attention because I've been really curious about how these consoles are going to map when it comes to pricing. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it seems it's been the case in the past that you have a premium price tag, generally speaking, when, when a new console comes out. But the marketplace is a little bit sensitive right now. And we've been talking, of course, a lot about this potential digital only future in which there's no more disk drive. So some cost savings there. And even with the PlayStation, when we covered that one, they stated that they're going to do two versions, a digital only version of their console, presumably at a little bit of a cost reduction. If any of the leaks are to be believed, there was some dispute over the Amazon pages that popped up. Maybe it's $50 less for the digital only, maybe not. But anyway, it looks like I mean, Sony's going to do two versions. So then the question became, well, what's Microsoft going to do? Are they going to have just this premium option with the full price point? Or are they going to do something else? And now we have this document pointing at a potentially more affordable, more approachable next-gen console, which will likely be limited in output to 1080p or 1440p. Hmm. So for anybody who is either on a budget or feels they don't need that uh, 4K potential, here's an option to keep the cost down, or here's an option to stay on that format from a resolution perspective. Microsoft has been planning a second cheaper and less powerful next-gen Xbox console. The code name is Lockhart. Wouldn't you love to be the, the guy who gets to come up with these code names? Because mm. the other one, Anaconda. What would your code name be for the pro uh, project that you're working on? What would you give it? Um, maybe something like funny, like mumbo jumbo. Or mumbo something, jumbo. You know, uh, Google with the Android stuff. They did desserts. Yes. Fast food would be funny. Perky. Food items are funny. What about yours? Yeah, food items, cheeseburgers. Okay. Yeah, project cheeseburger. Yeah. And then it, but it's really some super advanced thing. <laughs> I guess Tesla kind of does that too, don't they? They have some funny names for different, like ludicrous mode. It's not a code name, but is mm -hmm. or or the references to space balls and whatever. It's cheeky, yeah. Plaid, the plaid reference. Mm. Anyway, it's okay to have fun, Will. Every so often, yeah, put a not? smile on your face, have a little fun. Mm. Was the last time you have fun? Been a minute. Remember, that's all right. It's coming back. I promise. I promise it to you. Anyways, Xbox Series X, Project Scarlet, Anaconda, Lockhart. Lockhart is not only going to uh, see a diminishment in potential resolution, but the other specs are going to uh, take a step back as well in order to deliver this more approachable price point. Uh, the rumor here, according to this uh, document, 
We understand this includes 7.5 gigs of usable RAM, a slightly underclocked CPU, and around four teraflops of GPU performance. Now, you know how I feel about teraflops in general, any of them. Mm -hmm. I'll take it. Yes. I'll take a teraflop. The Xbox Series X, on the other hand, would be 13.5 gigs of usable RAM and target 12 teraflops of GPU performance. So it's, on paper, it looks like a substantial difference. The question becomes, what is that difference uh, in real daily life? You throw a game at it. How many games are going to immediately take advantage of the extra horsepower associated with the higher end model? And some people, they may do that math and say, well, not much. Not at the start. Mm -hmm. And they may be fine with taking the, the lower tiered, lower spec version. Now, the reason this document comes out is for developers who may have to develop different versions of their game depending on which hardware happens to download it. They may have to have a Lockhart version. So developers will be able to use this Lockhart mode to test their games against the performance profile and do validation checks. And so maybe not two versions of the game, but you know what I mean, like uh, optimizations mm -hmm. for these couple of different models. The good news here, I can see some people might say to themselves, well, why didn't they just do a digital version, digital only version at a lower price point of the Series X? They may do that too. You may see three versions of the next gen Xbox, which could be a nice move. And the whole incentive here is just to get the cost down, get the price down, get you in the door, get you in the gate and playing different games and having a version that you've downloaded that's optimized for your hardware. Mm -hmm. So I can't say, I, I mean, I don't mind that. Uh, digital only is one step, but uh, you have a, if you see what's happening in smartphones, there's a huge push towards value for money mm -hmm. and bringing more people into your gaming ecosystem. They may have a leg up here on Sony if Sony only launches the two units and if they have the cheapest model. You know how that goes. People out there trying to buy Christmas gifts, yeah. economy hurting, and and you, you got fierce. the mom in the Walmart or on the Amazon and the two listings, next gen Xbox console, uh, two ninety nine. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's gonna be two ninety nine, right? But you see where I'm going here. It's in a fresh box. You wrap it up. Yeah. Jimmy gets a smile. No? All right. Well, well, anyway, they're trying. More options are better. Uh, for me, it'll be an Anaconda. I'll be going for the Anaconda right model. On. I'll be going uh, full spec. But that's just the case when you have a channel like this. That's just what you end up doing. So, uh, anyways, that's the document. We'll see what takes place. I'm sure some things could move around still. But uh, you're probably going to have a cheap option hmm. for that upcoming Xbox. Speaking of Microsoft, a little bit of uh, bad news, I guess. I mean, that's not the way they're spinning it. They're saying we're just going to focus on our online stores. Uh, Microsoft is permanently closing its retail stores. And I can't say I've interacted all that much with Microsoft retail stores, but I have a little bit. I went to the Yorkdale one. Yep. And uh, when I've been traveling, I found myself in a Microsoft store here and there. Nice places. Uh, early on, catching the references to the Apple Store, obviously. Although something interesting about their stores that I kind of liked is it also elevated other partners, other laptop makers who yeah. weren't Microsoft. They those were allowed in the store, which was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. So you could go in there and, and and see 
like products from other brands. Yeah, you can yeah. see products from other brands. Uh, Microsoft on Friday announced it will permanently close its 83 Microsoft Store retail locations. Hmm. Now, you know, of course, the lockdown not helping with the retail for anybody. Even around here, man, you see the, the place is shutting down. It's, it's, uh, it got real. It's rough. It's rough out there. And the longer the thing goes, the rougher it gets. It stays. And a lot of companies are reevaluating, reimagining what their future looks like and the best way to serve their customers. Microsoft says, look, uh, we're doing a lot of business online. We, we have our own products we sell via Microsoft.com. We have the gaming stuff we're doing with Xbox. We, we talk to customers that way. Maybe we don't have to have these retail stores. So they shut down the retail stores. Microsoft on Friday announced it will permanently close 83 Microsoft retail store locations. It will instead focus on its online store at Microsoft.com. Uh, I don't know. I can't help but be a bit upset. It's unfortunate it couldn't work. I'm a tech fan, so more places existing. If I have, if I have to be trapped in a mall in the future, mm -hmm. places to hide out, uh, comfortable zones... Yeah. It's a lot of clothing stores in the mall. There's not tech is not all that available. Yeah. It's nice to kind of have a to break it up in a, you know. Yorkdale had a Microsoft store. They had a Tesla store. Mm -hmm. They had a Apple store. And maybe even like a Best Buy Mobile. Mm -hmm. You can, you got places you can hang out. Yeah. As a tech fan. And you lose one of those here. Actually, last time I was at that, when I was at that store, I met a couple Unbox Therapy fans as well. You oh. see how that goes? It was a bit of a hub. Yeah. And did you notice that there was like a connect with the TV in front of the they, store? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. They had the connect going on. They had the, the Xbox section. But obviously, I'm not going to lie. Even back then, I was kind of like, not a, lot of, not a lot of people walking through the cash register yeah. right now. Mm. This ain't no Apple store. It was obvious if you were ever in there. So... Maybe they could have invested more time, but it's just retail in general. Man, it's a rough ride right now, mm. whether it's Microsoft or uh, anyone else for that ma matter. I mean, on the last show, we were talking about Chuck E. Cheese. That's not retail. I guess it's a... But any place a human has to take their body physically and go mm -hmm. under attack. In the past decade or so, Microsoft began to expand its retail presence in an effort to create a shopping experience similar to Apple's where people could try new Microsoft software and hardware created by both Microsoft and its partners. Microsoft even built a store on Fifth Avenue in New York, just a few blocks away from Apple's iconic glass. So they really thought they were going to go head to head. And I mean, talk about a company is difficult to go head to head when you go up against Apple in that game, mm -hmm. in any game right now. Sheesh. It's a tough competition. And, uh, well, they have been going head to head for a while, but in this sense, they're not willing to continue that fight right. for the time being. Uh, they're going to keep, I think, a couple of physical locations open. The company will also reimagine spaces that serve all customers, including operating a Microsoft Experience Center in London, NYC, Sydney, and Redmond campus locations. So. A very trimmed down experience, certainly not 83 stores. And I don't even know really what those experience centers will be like. But if you want to buy something directly from Microsoft right now, 2020, you want a Surface product, you want to, can you buy an Xbox directly from them? Maybe you can. Hmm. You probably can. You got to head to the website 
That's the state of affairs, 2020. This is a cool story. This one comes via the Samsung Newsroom. How about that? Not, not, not a place I typically would find myself on a day reading the news. That said, it ended up in my Google News Feed. So here we are, introducing Samsung's versatile new image sensor, the ISOCELL GN1. Uh, I found this kind of, it was news to me because I was sitting there thinking, how did this end up in the feed, first of all? And then second of all, Samsung image sensor. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, I had been using the S20 Ultra product and was not all that happy with the autofocus on that product, particularly in video. It was hunting a lot. Huge camera module, high expectations, big flagship level. I know soft, some software up, updates have addressed this, gotten better, but that was my feeling at the time, particularly at the high resolutions on video. So that I was already kind of into this article, but then I found this video that they published, an intro video for this sensor, and I and I thought to myself, oh, we're in the future now. We got intro videos, flashy product videos for image sensors for upcoming smartphones. Never mind just upcoming smartphones. Play You can play a little bit of this video. Get yourself hyped up. Colorful, jello-looking cubes. Bigger performance, bigger pixels. And more pixels, 50 megapixels. But that right there, pause right there. Pause right there, Willie. That's the one that got me going. Got me right fired up. Got me uh, uh, tuned up got me uh well they just got me and the reason being is because i'm familiar with this terminology dual pixel autofocus dual pixel autofocus type of thing you get on a canon dslr one of the best autofocus on on that you can get out there on a sort of enthusiast camera dual mm. pixel autofocus i'm in my smartphone mm. you know i like autofocus pay attention to it so listen to this right here okay I hope you're ready. The speed at which a camera can focus on a subject can hugely influence a user's photo-taking experience. Whether the subject is a furry friend, you got a furry friend. I do. Up close or a group shot of a family, fast autofocus can help ensure you never miss a precious moment. In order to provide users with ultra-fast autofocus experience, the ISOCELL GN1 leverages dual pixel technology with 100 million phase detection focus units. That's some camera stuff, man. If you're a camera nerd, you, you should also be motivated right now. It is one area, yet I know smartphones have caught up so much in their capabilities. Photo, video. One area is still, mm, mm, still a little bit, uh, you know what, is the autofocus department. Now, I don't know. I haven't tested it. It's just an announcement. But if the technology is anywhere close to other dual pixel autofocus systems, this could be a game changer for real. Hmm. That we could see some of that smooth and accurate autofocus just bang on every time. Hmm. Let me just, I'm just gonna go uh, nerd mode on you for a moment here. All right, are you ready? Phase detection autofocus is much faster than conventional contrast detection systems, which analyze the contrast between edges and move the focus motor until the contrast is at its sharpest. However, the speed of phase detection autofocus process is dependent on how many phase detection pixels the sensor contains. Many smartphone sensors only feature phase detection-enabled pixels at a capacity of 5 to 10% of the total pixels. But with ISOCELL GN1, 
dual pixel technology. It embeds two photodiodes in every single pixel. Every single pixel as opposed to 5 to 10% of the total pixels. Mm. Resulting in faster, more accurate autofocus experience. You've also got bigger pixels on here. So you get to uh, better looking photos in general. You have tons of resolution at 50 megapixels. And you have some help for the nighttime stuff because it can combine for low light performance as well. So what we're looking at is a pretty significant announcement in my books, but it is, it's early level in the sense that how, you might not be able to envision the translation in the eventual product. But like I said, prepare thyself. Because once you experience this type of autofocus on a smartphone, if you never have on a, on a, you know, a substantial dedicated camera, you're going to love this stuff. Mm. And so it means it's good news for upcoming Samsung devices and actually any partner that chooses to use this Samsung sensor. There's other elements that go into what, the, what this output, what this image is going to look like. You still have the computational stuff and all the rest of it. But this is promising on its own. Mm. Uh, speaking of promising things, the OnePlus Nord that we talked about so much, holy, it seems like each day it's a new different rumor. It's a new different confirmation. It was the, the Nord, then the Z, then the Nord. Then you see the, the uh, indication seemed to be it was going to have uh, uh, one price point as low as as. $300, then it said, no way, it's probably going to be $500 mid-range. Then now it's back to $300. Mm. Apparently, $299 was a rumor. Um, uh, Carl himself. And then the new thing, exclusive here, Android Central, it's going to have two front-facing cameras, which we haven't seen in a while. It could have a 32-megapixel plus 8-megapixel front-facing camera. And... It would be a more atypical front facer with a wide angle module, which is one of the only front facing cameras I would ever use for the group shot. Hmm. When I had it on the old Pixel device, when it used to have that super ugly notch, people hate it, but it had the ultra wide on the front. You could get a nice group shot. No one else could get it in the group you were in. I mean, people aren't in groups anymore, but you know what I'm saying here. Yeah. So that that comes out. This guy, uh, the the writer of this article, uh, is Harish. It's a long last name. I also have a long last name, so I'm going to attempt it. Jana Lagada. Hmm. Rolls off the tongue. I think I nailed it, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I hope I nailed it there, but uh, I got Hilson Tegger. It's a long one, so. Uh, anyways, that wasn't the most interesting development for me. I, it is kind of interesting. Two front-facing cameras, you don't see it very much anymore. But the most interesting to me was down here. Carl Pay, Carl Pay, Carl Pay, last week hinted at a $299 price for the base model. And a leaked survey in India suggested the phone could debut in the country. 24,990 rupees, which is 330 equivalent when converted directly to USD. $299? Hinted at two ninety nine. Oh, now we're talking. Hmm. Now we're talking two ninety nine. Well, that gets people excited. That was cheaper than the um, one plus one, right? Hard to compare. Flagship killer status. Snapdragon seven hundred series. Yeah, you're right. This this is. They're not trying to say flagship killer here. They're not even attempting that. Mm -hmm. 
mid-range all the way still mm. still 299 with a OnePlus brand on it in 2020 uh, people it's a it's a it's a bright point for 2020 oh yeah it's a bright point for 2020 <laughs> anyways we'll see what happens with the launch that's a quick update if you were worried about that price scaling up it looks like you might be okay it looks like you might get that 299 you had hoped for after all at least on a base model mm. Kanye West makes it on the show here. Strikes a deal with Gap. 10-year deal for a Yeezy Gap apparel line. Uh, this just this is just some standout news to me. I was curious about all the inner workings of this, how this might go down because of the affiliation with Adidas or Adidas. However you like to pronounce that. Uh, are they cool with this? Did that deal run out? Is that deal going to be just on the sneakers, not the apparel? Does it get to coexist? Imagine the backstory on cutting all these deals. Also interesting because Gap's been having uh, problems, trouble, at least with the flagship brand. Old Navy, I think, has been doing better. Gap also owns Old Navy. Kanye, since the beginning, said, uh, I'm going to have this lineup. I want to have a product people can afford. I'm sure you heard this before. Yep. It never came about. <laughs> Not that I'm aware of the affordable Yeezy stuff. I don't. This article on the New York Times talks about some recent Yeezy products, Yeezy merchandise on Farfetch recently included a $925 graphic cardigan and a $241 women's thermal sweat, sweater. Okay. So uh, that's a couple of dollars, Will far as i can tell oh yeah yeah so that appears to be the thing it's been uh, an expensive brand not just on the initial run on the initial market but also on the secondary market when people go to resell it the popularity of kanye west the name the yeezy brand independently without any affiliation but what this lets him do is it lets him align with a a, a big market chain with a, with a footprint mm -hmm. and with a back end. Obviously, huge operations where you can get the quantities up and get the prices down. So he's partnering on some basics. Basic, you know, I like basic clothing. Well, I like to wear basic things. Uh, yes. No big uh, logos and things like that for the most part. Uh, so they're, they're, they're partnering up on some, some basic stuff. It'll be introduced in the first half of 2021. It's supposed to be affordable. I don't know on what premise, but Gap things are relatively affordable compared to designer stuff or or the pre-existing Yeezy stuff. It's a 10-year deal, which is a monster. <clears throat> Imagine signing a 10-year deal for anything with an ability to, to, to renew within five years. And Gap is hoping, apparently, that Yeezy Gap will be generating $1 billion in annual sales at the five-year mark. And then the New York Times goes on to say, for context, Gap's brand brought in $4.6 in global revenue last year. So they think it could be a quarter of their business at the five-year mark. That's some big expectations, a lot of pressure, man. Holy. Yeah. If you're Kanye right now, you better, you're hoping this goes well mm -hmm. and that people buy into the affiliation. What is your feeling, Willie? Do I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Are you going to check this stuff out in 2021? Could it be your new wardrobe, the Yeezy Gap collab basics? Um, I used to be a fan of Gap. 
um, I like their basic stuff. And if they continue to push out basic clothing, yeah, I'm down for it. So I should say that as, as big as those figures are in the billions, Yeezy has been doing it with the Adidas collab. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeezy shoes, which can cost hundreds of dollars, hundreds, even more in a secondary market easily, uh, are expected to top $1.3 in sales last year. So it's not that outlandish. No. The name is big. The affiliation is big. It's just a question. See, Yeezy, Adidas, it seems, feels closer than yes. Yeezy and Gap. Although I feel like um, since they have Gap kids, Kanye could, you know, He's got give kids? a push in creative direction for Gap kids clothing. You think, so You now you're saying Yeezy, Gap kids as well? Yeah. Okay. For the parents. All right. So you're saying billions of dollars, no problem. Uh, within five years, I, yeah. I All right, Willie Do's on record. Come back and get him. One thing I will say, since you are the business guy on the show here, you bring up the stock as you like to. And, okay, never mind. <laughs> it cooled off. It cooled off. No, do a five-day. Do a five-day. Look. Look at it. Look. Yeah, look at that spike, good. my friend. Go from 10 bucks up to Yeezy brought 14. in uh, $4 per share for a minute. Now it's uh, starting to dive back down. People are skeptical. I mean, who, what are we? What can you tell from the stock market in 2020? Anyways, even the biggest investors are saying, "I don't know, it doesn't make any sense." Mm -hmm. Warren Buffett comes out and says, uh, "You're in for a rude awakening over here. Mm. Stock market not reflecting what's actually happening." Mm -hmm. But you're the business guy, Will, so you know that already. Yeah, they'll you're, bounce back. You know that already. Everybody's bouncing back. Ford has unveiled a brand new F-150 truck and it's got all kinds of technology in it. You know, they got to stay ahead of the game. People out there ordering up cyber trucks, they got to give people something on a tech department. It can't just be another straight up combustion engine and uh, no tech features. They got a lot of tech features, including the ability to drive by themselves on the highway. Mm. Autonomous on the highway. Some AI. That's cool. Yeah. In a Ford vehicle. Ford digitally unveiled the new 2021 F-150, including a hybrid version. It's got some, some in-car stuff improvements, a new 12-inch screen in the middle, a bigger screen uh, in, in, the, in the dash as well, behind the steering wheel. Uh, it's going to have over-the-air updates, very Tesla. OTAs. OTA, baby. Yeah. That's when you know it's tech now. It's not a, it's not a car or a, a machine. Anymore. It's tech now. Mm -hmm. Once it gets the OTAs, and hands-free highway driving system, which is obviously the coolest part of it. All the other parts, they did need some updates. I can say as an F-150 fan, uh, they were lagging a little bit on the, from the other manufacturers. I still prefer the Ford trucks to the other stuff myself, but they were lagging a little bit in the infotainment on the inside. Some of the camera systems, the tailgate didn't do anything fancy. So just as a truck, even though it sells so well, it's the biggest seller for Ford. It could use some improvements there, and it looks like that's what's happening across the board with this particular truck, including this tech functionality. Another thing that I really like that they added to it is a generator in the back, a legit huh. uh, 2.4 kilowatt or optional 7.2 kilowatt generator right in the bed of the pickup truck with all kinds of outlets on it. If you, screw, uh, if you uh, scroll down, you'll see it there, right there. Look at this guy. He's powering everything. Now, on a job site, this is really cool, but oh, yeah. but also for the off-the-grid. Yes. Outdoors. Outdoorsy you know. types. 
This is cool, man. You can 7.2 kilowatts is no joke. They call it Pro Power on board. It features four 120 volt, 20 amp outlets, one NEMA charger. Those are the that's the big boy connector right there. You could charge a little bit of another vehicle mm. off the truck in a pinch. You could have a nice tailgate party running some electric appliances or sound equipment, or you could power up your power tools, which is going to be big for a lot of these guys as well. So I like that. That's really thinking about the customer there, putting that in as an option. Now, if you scroll down a little further, I think the cabin actually looks pretty nice here. Uh, the seats look like a big improvement. Very uh, Some cushion on there. And the screen in the center got a lot bigger. It kind of has to. It also has a cool stowable gear selector which pushes down and gets out of the way to create oh. a flush and i think you get a better look at it yeah if you if you scroll down to the next image you get a better look at that you oh. also see in this image here the wireless charge pad at the front you got to have that now so just modern improvements but i'm most uh, interested in seeing the uh, hand handless handless touchless hands free hands free hands free highway driving you, you already have some pretty smart stuff with the, uh, what do they call it? Just just cruise control, adaptive yes. cruise control, where it's going to keep distances and change speeds. But now it's steering too. Mm. And I, people are, I know people are saying, yeah, so what? The Tesla autopilot, man, it's doing everything. But this is a vehicle that has a huge uh, footprint. Yes. Yeah. This is the number one selling vehicle. For this to get it is 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 going to impact more pe people's lives more quickly and immediately in a segment where you didn't expect to see it. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about that. I don't know if it's necessarily more people, but you know what I'm saying here. Yes. A different segment is going to get access to, to some of these tech features. We'll see how that maps out. Plus OTA, who doesn't want OTAs? You don't want to go into dealership. There's a, uh, the software needs an update. There's some, some sort of improvement or recall or something. OTA, lovely. Oh my God. Well, this Last of Us stuff... The, uh, I was going back and reading some of the comments on the clip. People were mad at you specifically. Okay, they were mad at me too. They're mad at the both of us. He said, How dare you do? talk about the game? You didn't play the game. Hmm. And they're kind of right. We, but I think it's uh, it's a meaningful topic for us uh, outside of that because it's just such a big game, big impact, big business, and some of the stuff going on around the game. Plus, you played the first one. Give him some credit. He's played the first one already. It's a great game. Plus, both of us are going to play this one. Mm -hmm. And so, spoiler alert, in this article. If you go read this article, I think there's oh. some spoilers. I stopped oh, right at that moment. Okay. Uh, but anyway, the game, the reason it was it was meaningful, it was trending because of some people, a lot of people. People also didn't like the title I said. I said some people don't like it. They said, no, a lot of people don't like it. Some people were upset with the story and various other factors. The uh, Metacritic stuff, we talked about whether or not you should you should uh, listen to the user scores or the critic scores and just how people feel about this in general. I was mostly interested because of the graphics. I'm a big like I'm just looking for that realistic what what is the optimal graphics experience right now and that pumped me up on its own mm -hmm. and it may encourage me just to just go through the game just to appreciate the visuals. But outside of all that, this game crushed, and that's. And, and regardless of what you think of the story and what you're mad at, and you're mad at Naughty Dog for what, all the reasons you're mad. Yeah. Four million. They sold four million units. It becomes the fastest-selling Sony game 
for the PlayStation 4, it goes ahead of Spider-Man. Hmm. Four million units. Well, can you remind me what a game costs in 2020? I buy a unit. If I buy one unit, Last of Us Part Two, it's about sixty bucks. I don't know about you. I mean, I can't do this off the top of my head here. Uh, sixty multiplied by four million. Four million times sixty. I'm guessing that's a fairly big number. I don't know. I might be wrong. That's a lot of zeros. There's some zeros there. Can you read that number? Or you need to count those zeros. 240 million. Two, 200, $240 million? American dollars. Hmm. Woo! I think you could also, I think you're allowed to also call that a quarter of a billion dollars. Yes. Are you allowed to say that? Yeah. I mean, you're close enough. The Last of Us Part 2 sells a quarter of a billy. Quarter of a billy already. Fastest selling Sony game ahead of Spider-Man. Wow. So I guess it's pretty clear that uh, even with people being angry, still doing business, The Last of Us Part 2, Sony's post-apocalyptic survival game set decades into a pandemic that nearly wipes out humanity has become one of the company's fastest selling games ever. The company said it tallied more than 4 million copies sold to customers through June 21st after the release on June 19th. So in the first two days, Mm. two days, quarter of a billion. Wow. Well, this is also testament to the popularity of the game the first time around because a lot of people purchasing the sequel be like yourself played the first game. So whether or not those people are happy with the score they left maybe came... Post them purchasing it, but like okay, I'll buy it. They already got your money. Yeah, they already got your money. So, anyways, that's uh, that's significant to me. Is it possible that the concept, the 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 storyline, is particularly accessible right now, given what's going the the state of the world? Yeah, is is convenient. Yeah, is that part of it? Is it the fact people are looking for things to do to entertain themselves? Was it just the perfect scenario to move 4 million units? I'm sure all those things came into consideration. You can't go to the movie theater right now. Uh, I'm sure a lot of things came, in, came into play when uh, in getting to that number. I don't know. This, this whole thing may be enough for me to give it a crack. Well, I just got to find a couple minutes, a co- uh, couple yeah. of moments of time, and maybe I give it a crack. We'll see. Play the first one. Oh! And then move on to the Yeah, but I want the too. optimal graphics experience, Will. You'll I, get it. In the first one? Yeah. I feel like the, the second one, one is better, great. though. I feel like the second one is better graphic. Well, yeah, of, of course. Yeah, I don't care about the story. I don't even pay attention to the story. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a great story. I'm kidding. Guys, yeah. guys, guys. Don't you dare. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sheesh. Okay. Anyways, a lot of units. A lot of units, a lot of angry YouTube videos, hmm. a lot of angry Metacritics, but uh, 4 million units. Apple is apparently researching a retractable keyboard to create an even thinner MacBook Pro in the future. Mm. This is significant because Apple obviously has had issues trying to get their their keyboard and their units as thin as possible. They had the butterfly fiasco, as I like to call it, the butterfly effect. Really? (laughs) Is that what you call it? Uh, that just popped into my head right there in that moment. <laughs> I don't even think I saw that movie. 
Uh, was that Ashton Kutcher? Yes. Butterfly effect. It's a. It's the a good butterfly watch. flaps its wings, and Willie Willie Do falls off his chair. Mm. As far as I can tell, it's how that's how that's what happens in the movie, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uncanny. The butterfly effect. Apple's own butterfly effect. Well, Apple backed off the butterfly keyboard for good reason. We're well aware that those things were having problems, and so now they went back to the scissor mechanism, and and solved uh, some problems there for people, but they actually made the unit fatter for the, the first time in forever to right. accommodate going back to the old technology. So you know they can't be happy about that, trying to make everything as thin as possible. They're, they're already, you know, they're beginning to research alternative uh, ways of shrinking the thing down. And this retractable keyboard idea seems kind of like a cool one. This would be some kind of a mechanism that elevates the keys probably when you open the screen and then dips them down when you close it, maybe. Maybe mm -hmm. they can go into the housing. I don't know. I don't know. There is a graphic for the the patent application if you go uh, down a little bit further. This one right here? That's definitely not it. There you go. That will be the one. And it showcases a keyboard that can recess into the housing of a laptop. It's funny in the patent application. That's a really fat laptop. Obviously, not a thing that Apple... <laughs> would like to release, but they're just illustrating how something like this could work. The movement could come via movable magnetic or mechanical linkage elements configured to reposition keycaps and stabilizers between different relative positions. Hmm. So this could also give you possibly more tactile more bounce, a little yep. more travel to it, as you just uh, said. Could be a better experience too on a thin laptop, but you should scroll back up to that image. Nope that one there that you were making fun of, that was actually a pretty cool uh, a pretty cool uh, implementation on an IBM ThinkPad 701 from about a billion years ago. For those of you that are just listening, uh, this is a keyboard that fanned out. When you open the thing, it mm. fanned out and extended beyond the actual uh, uh, outer edge of the laptop to give you more keyboard space, but then a smaller form factor. Of course, that never took off, but still to this day, that is an icon in the space. It was a really cool design. So go check that out if you've never seen it before. It was called Butterfly 2 as well, but a different kind of butterfly because hmm. it butterflied out like butterfly wing. Uh. And uh, you know the best part of the word butterfly? What's that? Butter. 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 It's better than the word fly. Oh, I was thinking the opposite. You so. take fly over butter? Mm -hmm. Don't you think of the bug? The who, who likes a fly? Or do you think of flying like flying. in an airplane? Yeah. Well, I can't get past the butter part. So yeah. because of the memes, because of the YTP. <laughs> uh, what was her name? The famous always in the YTP videos. Um, Paula Dean. Paula Dean. Butter. Yeah. Butter. Am I crazy? No one knows what I'm talking. I'm deep in the meme weeds here. Anyway, that's I was trying to get you to go there with me, Will, but it went No. no. It flew straight over your head. Yeah. Fly. Butterfly. You're going meta. <laughs> I, yeah, that was a real trip. I'm I appreciate anyone who went on that trip right there. Anyone who made it through that trip, uh, what do they say? I don't know. You get you get internet. An internet pat on the back. I hate that. An internet pat on the back is what? Jumping through your screen. I hate the visual. I hate all of it. 
How yeah. about you're well done? How about that? Yeah. If you if you're on this trip, well done. A German man accidentally buys 28 Tesla Model 3s online. Hmm. <laughs> I like this the specific number, 28. Hmm. Accidentally. I just like this story. It's a feel good story. He must be rich then. Right? Accidentally. To, to buy. That means he has cash on him. Right? Well, no, but he only had to he only did the deposit. Oh, okay. You don't need to pay for the Tesla up front completely. You just give them a deposit and that's enough for them to build it for you. And then they accept the remaining money in segments. Oh, it says here it's, is it 4,300? 4,300 was the total amount oh, okay. of all of the pre-orders or all the orders that he didn't want. I see. Uh, but I find this to be a feel-good story. Oh, okay. Because, yeah. because... Tesla did the right thing in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, I had no idea, but apparently they're pretty strict about deposits oh. and refunds. I had no idea, but I'm sitting here. Driving.ca is the website. And towards the bottom of this article, they say uh, Tesla is notorious for not offering refu refunds on its products once the buyer has clicked confirm. Oh. I had no idea. I would think, yeah, just give the deposit back. But I, I guess I kind of get it too, because you start building a car to a person's specifications yeah. on, like, hey, on the deposit. Yeah, I was building that. <laughs> I was just, like, I on. was busy. We were just tightening the wheels. We yeah. were just putting the wheels on. Yeah. I'll take that money back. Anyway, so they, they, in this case, agreed to refund the guy. The total amount of money that the order was processed for was over $2 million Canadian. Mm. 2.1 or, or 14, one point. 1.4 million euros, whichever one yeah. makes more sense to you. That's what I thought. I thought he bought it outright. Well, he would have been on the hook for that much had they determined that yeah. he has to honor all these deposits, which yeah. of course would be crazy. Tesla would have to refund him. But what ended up happening is the site was unresponsive. It was, I don't know if that was on his end or on Tesla's end. <laughs> he but just kept, kept clicking. He kept that, clicking. Uh... Yeah, he kept clicking and and thinking, okay, this this uh, this Model 3 order just isn't going through. Mm. And so he ended up clicking for hours. Uh, <laughs> how long did he click? What does it say here? He was hoping to replace the aging family transport with a newer and more modern vehicle. Makes sense. He decided the right model would be a Tesla Model 3. Big day. Mm. Hey, you get, sit down at the yeah. laptop. You get a cup of coffee over here. Get the hands going. Today's the day. Uh, Germany was offering double the cashback incentives for an EV purchase. It was a no-brainer decision. A Model 3 with autopilot was added to his cart. He clicked confirm to send the order, except the order never sent. It looked like absolutely nothing had happened. So he tried again and again and again. It was two hours, a, a space of two hours with different clicks within the two-hour period totaling the 28 separate clicks, which all effectively went as orders to Tesla. You would think that the credit card company yeah. would realize something wrong was going on here as these uh, almost $5,000 was sent through to Tesla on separate orders. Mm -hmm. But no, they let them spend it. And uh, it was up to Tesla to refund it. But it's just kind of a funny, it's just a funny little story to lighten the mood mm -hmm. in 2020. Which, the mood is not light a lot no. of the time. So how about a dude 
ordering a new car for his family and he orders two million dollars worth of cars instead. That's a good story. And then Elon, and then Elon comes to the rescue and says, "You silly guy, silly goose. You silly goose. Here's your money back. Enjoy your cup of coffee." And a Model Three is on its way with the autopilot option, so you can do autopilot on the autobahn. Mm. 